I walked into the Heinz Field Media Lounge yesterday, very much presuming that I'd hear the following from Mike Tomlin. Hey, guys, guess who we're taking Thursday night? No, that didn't happen. But there were at least a couple of possible hints at Malik Willis being Pittsburgh's choice. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into baseball and or hockey. I also offer daily shots of Pirates and Penguins where you found this. And it was interesting press conference. It always is the annual pre-draft session that Tomlin and Kevin Colbert conduct with us reporter types. And of course, it would be the last for Colbert and for this duo. But other than that, there really wasn't much different from how it's gone in the past, which is to say you don't exactly leave that room feeling enlightened as to who the first pick is going to be. Except if you really, really parse, maybe even irresponsibly so, and try to come up with some place where they might have slipped. And I can tell you, not just from being in that room, but from having gone over the video and the transcript again later, that this was as close as I could come. This is from Colbert after he's asked point blank if the Steelers are going to take a quarterback. I know. Well, I felt good about the the process. Again, um, Coach and I met more with that position than we have, as I referenced earlier. And then we, you know, we spent time with them. Our, our, our offensive coaches, Coach Sullivan, Coach Canada, they spent more time with individual meetings. And it, the quarterback is the most critical position in our sport, um, and it's we we have to get that right. Uh, could we add somebody? Yes. Could we start the season without adding anybody? Yes. And um, we'll see where it all goes. Okay, so he answers by mentioning Mike Sullivan, Matt Canada, offensive coaches, and the extra time that was invested in the quarterback position in light of Ben Roethlisberger not being around and, you know, Ben having made that moot for almost two full decades. That's obvious, you can say. We all watched what they did and how they behaved at Pro Days and the Scouting Combine and in every other setting that was available to our eyes and ears. Great, but now listen to this from Tomlin. I enjoy the process of of having a heightened urgency per position. It seems like, you know, a year ago, boy, we really, you know, chopped up the running backs in a, in a similar way. And so... Um, I know that the process that we've gone through in terms of getting to know the quarterback pool is, has gained some attention, but it's, it's not an irregular process for us in terms of you know, locking in and, and getting a feel for a certain pool within the pool, if you will. I'm going to read that last part back to you. But it's not an irregular process for us in terms of locking in and getting a feel for a certain pool within the pool, if you will. You know what he's referencing there. It's Najee Harris. It's running back. It's that everyone knew, and hence gave all of the attention that he's describing, to the heightened 
urgency that he cited for a very specific position that they were targeting, and in the case of Najee, a very specific, as in one, player. If the first thoughts, the reflexive thoughts in a press conference setting that your GM and your head coach have, and they do everything in concert, is related to how this process mirrors the one from a year ago, then they're going to take a quarterback and they're going to take Malik Willis. So it says right here, definitively stamp it and cement and whatever else. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. Okay, of course I don't know who they're going to take. Of course, they don't know who they're going to take because they're not alone in this process. There are 19 teams picking in front of them, and unless they are just drop-dead certain that they can execute a trade-up, meaning up ahead of the Panthers at number six, they're not going to be able to lock themselves into any quarterback, Willis or otherwise. But I do find it legitimately telling that not only do they have no issue showing everyone all of the work they've done with all of these quarterbacks, all of whom, by the way, not just the top two, top five, a bunch of them passed through the South Side in the past few days to do exhaustive homework on all of these individuals. And you can say, and I can say that this is just due diligence, great work on their part, even if they don't get their guy or get someone at that position until a later round who might just be a future number three or whatever, then at least they did the right thing by checking all the boxes. But that's not how this stuff tends to work. Not with the Steelers, not around the NFL, not in professional sports. When you zero in within a draft on a position, and when you further zero in on a player, your behavior almost certainly will lead to executing whatever it is that's needed to get that position and or that player. Now, why didn't the Steelers make a move up last year to get Najee? Well, that's kind of obvious. They saw the rest of the field, which they claim never to look at, and realized that the only other team that was going to take a running back was behind them. And sure enough, they took Najee at 24 and Travis Etienne went to Jacksonville right afterward at 25. It's a little bit of a gamble, but I don't know how much, because if the Steelers liked ATN, and again, that really wasn't super obvious if it was the case, they could have just resigned themselves to saying, listen, if Najee goes, we take the other guy. But they read the field, they loved the player, they zeroed in on the player, and they got the player without moving up. So to me, the big question and what's going to make this entire first round fascinating, I think, for fans of this football team 
is to see how badly the Steelers want Willis. Is he that good? Do they believe in him to that degree? And oh, by the way, will these gentlemen, the same people who moved up to get Devin Bush or moved up to get one of the Devons, it was going to be either Bush or Devin White, White was gone, they traded up to get Bush, and now Bush is kind of, you know, eh, I mean, he had the knee injury, and he should be given a fair chance to come back after a full year and show his best. But if you got that time machine and you could go back and do that again, do you think the Steelers would do it again? I'll repeat, these are the same people. What's more, back then, they had those extra picks as the result of the Antonio Brown trade. There isn't exactly an excess of picks in their portfolio right now. So this is going to be really some kind of storyline. But the part where there's becoming less and less and less suspense for me is who it is that they want. When we come back, just one question. Time for J1Q. That's brought to you always on this program by our friends at Mike's Beer Bar. Pittsburgh's premier destination for craft beers. More than 500 craft beers in total. 350 of them local. 80 on tap. That's not going to be topped in our region, much less our city. Check out Mike's Beer Bar. It's across Federal Street from PNC Park including tonight if you're heading down to the ball game against the Brewers with a 6.35 p.m. first pitch. Our J1Q comes from Sean, who asks, Do you have a read on what the Steelers, not the press and not the Internet, think the over-under is on Mitch Trubisky actually being good? Everyone seems to be assuming that the Steelers think of Mitch as some bridge QB, but there has to be someone in that organization who's thinking, what if he plays up to the level that was expected of him when he was drafted? He's been to a Pro Bowl. He's been to the playoffs with a bad team. All we know about him on the Bills is that they didn't think he was as good as Josh Allen, but that's a really high bar. What if he's almost as good? Some of the Steelers have to be thinking along those lines. DK, have you heard that at all? Sean, I have. I have, and emphatically so, and including, I might add, just yesterday at Heinz Field, their feeling on Trubisky is that he still has a very much untapped, potentially high ceiling. And anyone can roll their eyes at that if they want, because he's a name that's become familiar to us and usually in a negative context, because as you pointed out, he was in Chicago. The Bears put tons and tons of pressure on him because they haven't had a decent quarterback in 100 years. And it didn't work out there, which is probably the best way to phrase that. It's not that he failed. It's that they failed and he failed to make them not fail about that. Okay, But he was a backup last year in Buffalo. And what I've been told from the inside is that the Steelers love what they've heard from the Bills 
principally. And the way he conducted himself there, not just as a class backup to Allen, but also some of the things that he unlearned before he learned. Some of that had to do with Buffalo's system, as you can imagine, coming to a new team and one that's built around an existing franchise quarterback. But some of it was also just basic NFL QBing 101. And they feel, the Bills do, and in turn the Steelers do as well, that there's still a lot there. The Bills have no need for this player. That couldn't be more obvious. That would be an embarrassment of riches. And also, quarterback's a different kind of position. Nobody keeps two starters. Because that other starter, especially when he's younger, is going to take his options to go somewhere else. I think everybody by now has uh, read or heard that Trubisky took less money to come to Pittsburgh. Why? Because he felt this was the best opportunity for him. You can do that without having it be a slap in Mason Rudolph's face. You can just try to be realistic about it. And yes, the Steelers have considered the possibility that he could be that guy. And honestly, if you step back from it, Sean, and and just try to picture the scenario in which Trubisky over the coming season and maybe next season does meet those long-held expectations and live up to that pedigree and becomes an NFL franchise-type quarterback, you're not replacing him. I don't care who you've got. I don't care who you've got. You're finding a way to keep that individual, and you're going to be damn sure they're the starter without being pushed competition-wise. Understand, I'm giving you a hypothetical here. I'm not predicting that Trubisky's going to become some all-time great. But I'm leaving open that the hypothetical would lead to Trubisky being that guy. What do you do with the other one? Meaning the Malik Willis or whoever? Well, that's just the business. You know, maybe there's a trade that can be engineered. Maybe there's some other way to get him on the field the way we've seen uh, other teams, notably New Orleans, do in the recent past. And then from there, that person will go on to graduate to a starting job elsewhere. I don't know. I'm getting really far ahead of things here in the hypothetical sense, which I'm never crazy about doing. But this is a quarterback that the Steelers believe in. They do not see him as a bridge. What they're doing here and what came across loud and clear in that press conference I covered yesterday is that these guys want to cover every conceivable base when it comes to replacing Ben Roethlisberger as the franchise quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I appreciate the question. It's a really good one. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. 